to be in the presence of God this morning. Good to be with the saints, both those that are here and those that are with us in the spirit realm. God bless you. Amen. I just want to, um, why don't you have your seat for a moment? I just want to make a couple of quick announcements. Brother Tim Nunweiler has asked that um, you be mindful that we're coming to year end, and it's in regards to the donations and the receipt that you may want for 2020, the last day for donations um, that you put in the box back here in church will be December 27th in the morning service. There will only be one service that day. And if you're using the Tithely app, you can go right up to the 31st. So we're coming to year end, and if you would like a receipt for tax purposes, you can do that. Also just wanted to say, um, I just brought to our attention that We've got some uh, that are bringing water bottles into the sanctuary and, and drinking in the sanctuary, and I know it can be stuffy with the mask and all of that, but if we can just ask you to be respectful at, of where we are here, and if you need to get a drink, just feel free to go out. That won't bother us. Let's just, let's just keep this as much as we can, uh, a place for God to, to do it. You know, Brother Branham would do little things, like he would not put anything on top of his Bible. He would not... These aren't rules. They're there, but they're actually a reflection of what's in our heart. And I know sometimes we can get a little bit careless, and we need to be reminded. So God help us. And if you can do that, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you. Also, next weekend, I'll, I'll, Lord willing, we've uh, been talking with Brother Stephen Dodd, uh, who about coming here, and he, he's, he's got two boys that are here, and he was coming to be with the family. The changes in uh, regulations have necessitated it such that he cannot bring his family, but he's going to be here next Sunday, and the Lord willing, he'll be speaking for us in both services, and we've been communicating and debating what we would do and how we would do it, but we've been able to do it in a way that is compliant, and so he's going to be ministering, and he's God's just put something on his heart, and I said, I believe if God put it on your heart, it will be to our benefit. So let's be in prayer. I, I believe God will minister to us. We've seen God come in many vessels. God comes to us in many forms, many gifts. So let's remember that for next Sunday. That's December 20th. Also, just so you know that the services after that, we're planning to have a Wednesday service for the 23rd. On Sunday, the 27th, we're only going to have a morning service, and then there'll be no Wednesday service on the 30th. Rather, what we're going to plan for is a New Year's service on the 31st, and that will be conducted at the church here. And we're going to try to involve everybody we can by, uh, with some testimonies and some singing, exhortations, and try to connect all of us on. I believe that as we're being forced to be controlled um, with how we can physically be there, I, let me just say this. You can't control the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can't be bottled up. Yeah. 
There's no rules that are going to do it. So I believe we can do anything we can. And I, I find this is wonderful to be in church and to be able to do things. So we're going to try and do it that way for a New Year's Eve service. Prepare for that, if you will. And, and that'll just be the, the manner of, of where, where we're at. And you can all stand. I, I do want to bring just a couple of prayer requests before you. I, uh, I was on my way to church this morning, and I received a phone call. And it was from Brother Norbert. And he mentioned that we could remember Brother Virgilio in prayer. Uh, he's tested positive. He's gone to the hospital. He's experiencing shortness of breath. His wife has tested negative. The, the last time they were in church was two weeks ago. They've been fairly cautious with everything, and so it seems to be good that way. But this, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Nothing that comes, and I'll tell you what, there's many things that are coming at us. They're not way out there. They're coming to our door. They're coming right to us. We need a token. We need the blood. I'd like to just sing a chorus, Brother John, if we can sing that healer. I believe that God is the healer, and he can touch our brother. And we're going to stand for our brother where he is right now, and we're going to put the blood of Jesus Christ between that sickness and where our brother is right now. So we're going to just sing this chorus, and uh, we're also going to remember Brother Abe Pinar, Brother Solomon Clark, um, who we've met mention of in our, in our prayer request. Let's sing this, Brother John. And I believe you're my healer. And I believe you are all I need. I believe, I believe you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Sing that again. I believe you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. Yes, I believe. just bow our heads and we unite together, both those that are here, those that are listening in even now. Let's just put our hearts together on behalf of our brother Virgilio. Heavenly Father, we are coming this morning. Father, if there's ever been a time of trouble in the world, as Daniel spoke of, it's this time. Father, if there's ever been a time where the world is rocking and reeling, under the effects, Lord, of sin and the beginning and the onslaught of plagues and judgment, Lord, it's now. But, Father, you've also redeemed us. 
You've chosen this time, Lord, to bring forth a bride, to bring forth a people, Lord, for your namesake. And Lord, we're standing on the path of duty this morning. And the enemy has come and tried to afflict our brother this morning. But Father, we come in the name of Jesus. For you said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Father, we're here this morning and we're coming on behalf of our brother. We place the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that token life that's upon our brother and his family. We place it, Lord, between that enemy, that sickness, and where he's at right now. Father, we believe, we know we're not immune to the things of the world, but we believe that there's an antidote. And that antidote is at work even now. Lord, it's good when you died, you gave the believer a checkbook. That checkbook can be filled out any time. Lord, the price has already been paid. By your stripes we are healed. It's a finished work, Lord. And we're coming to sign that checkbook this morning on behalf of our brother. Lord, would you remember him? Lord, you're the one that gave breath unto Adam in the beginning. Lord, the enemy that comes to take away our breath. But Lord, may you breathe the breath of life into him afresh this morning. Father, we commit him in your hands. And Lord, we ask you also for our brother Abe Pinar, who's had a stroke and who's just been in hospital. And we remember him before the throne of grace. Our brother Solomon, who's been released from hospital. Father, just hearing this morning, also of a brother Ray Montgomery, minister who's passed away from the very same thing. But Lord, he labored, he served you. And we thank you, Lord, that the enemy can do nothing except he has to come through you first. Father, we're here this morning, and now as we're gathered in, we thank you. Thank you for the gathering of the saints, Lord. Bless our time together. Lord, we are inviting you to take the preeminence in this service. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing, He is here, He is here. I believe that the Lord, the Jesus Christ that walked on earth, we're not looking to a historical Jesus, but that very same one is here this morning. The God that came down from heaven, He's walking in our midst. I believe He's here. Let's sing to Him. He is Bibles, thank you to the musicians, 
Sister Angie, thank you for that song. That really is where we're at this morning. And I thank God that He works in many different ways every service. Psalms chapter 40, this will be the scripture we read last Sunday, and I'm picking up in that in a little different channel, but we spoke last Sunday on the faith that is drawn from the miry clay. I want to just read Psalms chapter 40. We're also going to go back in the Psalms to another one, but let's start in verse 1. How many are happy to be here this morning? Happy to see my brothers and sisters, some that I can't see and they can see us. We're happy you're with us this morning. And I, I believe the Grunets were already made welcome. You know, we had really nice weather until they showed up this week. I don't know what happened. But, uh, you know, people always think Alberta's cold. It's actually been beautiful. And we made sure it was cold because we don't want too many people to move here. We like it the way it is. God bless you. Nice to have you here. Uh, we, we sure appreciate the body of Christ, don't we? Psalms chapter 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Now, that's, that's the part that we focused on last week, but I want to focus on the part that follows this, because he said, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings, and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, that respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thought which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God, yea, thy law is within my heart. God bless his word. You may have your seat. Keep your Bibles open there if you don't mind. We focused a lot on where we come from and out of what we're drawn out of and how our lives are made manifest out of, out of the situations of this life. We, we went to Hebrews chapter 11 where we talked out of the heroes of faith. And it says, out of weakness they were made strong. In other words, the situations and the circumstances and the troubles that they were in, it brought forth a faith which was recorded in a book. And these were heroes to us. And I believe the people that know their God are also heroes. The Bible said in the book of Daniel, they that know their God shall do exploits. That's the era, the time we're living in. I believe there's a, a book being written of those that are living by the anointing that God has sent. And they are overcoming the things of the world around them. I'm one of them. I trust you are too. So in, in Psalms, David writes this, but then he says now in verse 11, 
Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Now that means there's trouble without. So, so even though you come out of the muck and the mire, there's a lot of things that, that still come against you. You're not immune. And, and some of the things that come against you are in your own flesh. That's why we come to church. That's why we continually hear the word. It's cleansing. It's sanctifying. It's purging us. And David would say, Mine iniquities have taken a hold upon me, so that they I am not able to look. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Oh, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And then in verse 17, But I am poor and needy, yet my, the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. Now, David would say in verse 2, He set my feet on a rock and he established my goings. Just go back to Psalms 27, if you will, for a moment. We know this, this well. I'm going to just read a little bit here. Psalms 27, and David now, I, I don't know exactly where this psalm was written. I've read through the book of Samuel. I've read from David how, you know, he, even when he was young, he was out in the wilderness taking care of the sheep. God was preparing him. And there was something that David loved in the wilderness that was out there, and God had a place, and, a, and there was a, a, a place. I, I imagine there was great communion that was there. And David, out of that times of communion, and he knew what his duty and his position was, and he had to overcome a bear that came against the sheep. He had to overcome a lion that came against the sheep. And out of that time, there, David, that's when Samuel called him and anointed him, and Brother Adam would say, David was, when he was anointed, he was positionally placed. And, and he was placed as king, yet it had to unfold over time. And if you read the unfolding of David from the time he was anointed till the time he actually came into position as king, it was many years. There was many troubles. He was running from Saul. He had to hide in the cave. He had to, there was the enemies. He had to, he came into the Philistines and he had to make himself like a madman. David was, life was continually in trouble. But in the middle of all of this trouble, he found a sanctuary. So he says this, and I don't know where he wrote this, but the inspiration, I don't believe the inspiration was just for that moment, but I believe it's very applicable to the hour we live in. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, you're not going to get that revelation listening to Fox News. You're not going to get that listening to CNN. You're not going to get that listening to the Daily Report. You're going to get that in one place, in a fellowship and a communion with God. And he would say, when the wicked 
Even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh. I took my spear and killed them. No. The place he was living in was so secure, they stumbled, they fell. They could not come nigh unto where I was with God. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired. Now, I, 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 I'm going to come back to this. You know, in this will I be confident. In one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. I'm going to hold that thought and not comment on it. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Now he uses the same words he used in chapter 40. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. I would like to speak this morning on your position is greater than the trouble. Turn with me also, if you will, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. This is when John is speaking about the spirit of Antichrist that would come in the world. It was already then, and it was around them. And yet John would make this declaration in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now there's a part of you that dwells in the world and is not immune to discouragement that is not immune to sickness, but there's a part of you that is greater than that part. And that's the part we need to dwell in. You will not be an overcomer in this day with a denominational mindset. You will not be an overcomer in this day with a casual walk. But it will only be as a result of a communion and a daily walk with God and an understanding of the place that you are in. Now, I've been listening to the brothers as they've been preaching, and I, don't, I can't recall how many times they've been quoting out of the book of adoption. Brother Moses has done it, Brother Max, and Brother Andrew as well. And, and Brother Adam would say this in adoption number one. He would say, we can never rightly be able to have faith until positionally we know what we are. Now, faith, we took it last week, drawn from the miry clay. Faith is not just a workup. Faith is not just something that you fast and pray into. But I'll say this, and yet you've got to, you've, what, what, what fasting and prayer does is it breaks up all the things that hinder faith. And, 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 and so faith is not just something you climb the ladder and you attain to, but faith is more than that. Faith is a revelation, and a revelation that comes from God. Something you cannot see, but you know it's there. 
something that is actually tangible and real. It's already there. Revelation is the unmasking of what is there. It's hidden to your eyes. You know, the disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus, they did not know that the one who joined them was the very one that they were talking about. They did not know that he already had risen from the dead. It was hidden to their eyes, yet he already was walking with them. He already was fulfilling his word. But it took a revelation and an unmasking of the situation in order for them to rightly get out of this woe is me and we thought he was the one and and such and that same God is here today except now he's not masking himself only but it's him and his bride together and when the unmasking comes it's showing our part in him I got to be careful I don't preach my whole service in the first five minutes how many love the word of God hallelujah there is trouble all around us you, you don't have to go very far. You can read it in the world. You can read it on people's faces. You can, you can see it wherever you go. And I'll say the trouble that we're coming to is, it's not even the tribulation yet. But I would not want to be here when the tribulation sets in, in forth. Now, David, I, I, over the last week, I've been listening to a couple services. Is your life worthy of the gospel? And then how can I overcome? And just really listening to Brother Branham and, and, and as he's pouring his life and his heart out. And, and I'll tell you what, there's... Can I just make a, a comment? If you, if, if you want to have faith to overcome, I'll say this. Just put down your phone a little bit more often. Spend a little less time checking on the latest stats in the news. And I'll just say this. When you dwell in this place, I can't count the number of times I've got up in the morning and my mind is troubled. I've got to deal with this. I've got to deal with that. And I'll go downstairs and I'll take a little time to pray and then I'll go and take a little time just to listen to the Word of God. And I'm listening to it and I'll tell you what. All of a sudden, all of those things that seem to weigh heavy on me st- start to move away and disappear. And I, I don't know how it happens, but it's real. Because all of a sudden I see I am in a place where these things are around me, but I don't have to be brought down by them. I don't have to succumb to them. The circumstances don't have to drag me down. I can live above them. That doesn't mean that it changes them, but it changes my mindset and my attitude and my everything to them. And it's real. It's not just a a makeup in your mind. It's a reality of the living God. Now, in Jesus' time when he came to the world, it was a time, Brother Branham would say, the world was falling apart. And it says the world was in no worse a time than ever when Jesus was on the earth. And Brother Branham would say, now remember, I'm going to read a little bit from Perfect Faith. Jesus gave his disciples power, and they had power, but they needed faith to operate the word that was in him. Jesus had it. He was the word, and he had faith what he said would happen. He had faith with his power. 
I can do nothing in myself. Now, this is a real key. Why? He relied on what he was. He relied in knowing that he was the Word. He had faith in God. He who made him the Word. He was God, the Word. And they was in him. Now, I, I guess proper terminology would be they were. But they was in him, and that gave him faith because he understood his position. Now, if you actually look at it, Jesus came. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world for all those names that were written in the book. So when he came to earth, the reason he came was for his own. He came to save his own. And when he saw his own, it actually fulfilled his position because he saw them in him. And he had to fulfill. Sometimes we get this idea, Jesus is separate and I can climb up there and I can be. Friends, under the revelation of this last day, we need to see ourselves in him. We can't see ourselves as separate and trying to attain and get a report card that's good enough to get there. No, we were in him from the beginning. And he's just unveiling that we were always in him. So he would say, he relied. He relied on what God made him. And if he did that, why we can't we rely on what he made us as believers. He had faith in what he was, and if you're a believer, you have faith in what you are, a believer. Amen. Brother Perry Green, God bless him, he would make this saying, I'd rather believe what God told me about myself than what I know about myself. Because you know where the devil comes? He comes to make you think, you're not really a believer. He undermines you. If you were a believer, you wouldn't have thought that. First of all, it wasn't my thought. It was the thought the devil gave to me. And I don't believe it. And I cast it out. And I resist him. And I, I don't have nothing to do with that. And he'll come and say, you wouldn't have said it like that. On the contrary, the very reason it bothers me is because I am a believer. And the very reason it has no more part of me is because I repented and the blood speaks for me. And God can't remember it anymore. And I'll tell you what, take the wind out of the devil's sails. We are Christians. Do we stumble? Yes. Do we fall? Yes. That does not take away from your position. Your position is secure. God gave you that position. Brother Brandon would say, perfect faith is a master of all circumstances. Never has the circumstances against us and I, I like, in a court of law, they call it circumstantial evidence. It's not as good as direct evidence. Direct evidence from God is greater than any circumstantial evidence that the, that the devil will throw at you. The revelation that you were in him before the foundation of the world is the revelation that will prevail in this last day. We are not under a man anointing anymore. We're under an eagle anointing. I'm going to lose my voice. Give me just a little bit more volume if you don't mind. I, I, I really feel like I, 
God, deposit in us what you see in us. Friends, we cannot look at ourselves through our own eyes. But only through God's eyes can you look at yourself and overcome. Let's just go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. So, this is where Jesus calls the 70, and he sends them forth, and he gives them power to heal the sick, to cast out devils, and wherever they go, and in other words, he is putting them on an equivalent with himself. And then... Just to save time, you can read that right through verses 1 to 12. And verse 17, let's, let's go there. I know I said 18. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I have given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Wouldn't you want to live in that place? Like in a cocoon where nothing hurts you? And, and, but let's, what did he mean when he said this? Let's just go a little further. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice because of, but you've got an inheritance. You've got something in there that nobody can take from you. Now, jump quickly over to Luke ch- chapter 21. Because he tells them, nothing's going to hurt you. My, I'll tell you what, there was rejoicing in the meeting that day. They went out from there and they said, this is wonderful. Just think, we're immune. We're invincible. <laughs> so these same disciples came back next week for the next service. So Luke chapter 21, and he, and he would say this, starting in verse 8. And, and I, I probably don't need to go all the way back, because he, uh, he would talk about how it's the end, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. I'm just going to skip over some of that. And he says, and... Uh, And he tells them there'll be great earthquakes, nations rise against nations. Now in verse 12. But before all of these things, they shall lay their hands on you. Oh, wait a second. I thought you said nothing's going to hurt us. No, they're going to lay hands on you. And they're going to persecute you. And they're going to deliver you into the synagogues and into prisons. And you're going to be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Hold on a second. What about last week's service? We, 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 you said, it, listen, I, I'll tell you what, I, I've heard somebody come and say, so bold, it said, no believer shall ever get COVID. Where do you see that in the Bible? Hey, even if you get it, I believe there's healing power. And I believe God can keep it from you. But I also believe we, our position is secure. I'm not looking at the circumstances. I'm looking... 
Because there's a first resurrection and there's a second resurrection. Blessed is he that has part in the first resurrection. Why? Nothing that happens on this earth can take away from our position. And he says, verse 14, Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate what you shall answer. For you shall be given a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries should not be able to gainsay or resist. Verse 16, And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of them shall cause you to be put to death. Wow. You talk about uh, the air going out of the service. What does he mean when he's saying that? Now, I'm going to just take it this way for a moment. Talk about the disciples. John, the revelator, was the only one who died a natural death. Every one of the disciples died as a result of persecution, died as a result of, of some kind of uh, uh, an injury inflicted by, by politics, which is really of the devil. You know, it was... So are we going to say John had more faith than the rest of them? Or are we going to say, are we just going to look at this in the, in the right way that God sees it? You know, Paul went through many, many things. And, and, and Paul, you know, he, he, would, he would go through things. He would be in a Roman prison. He'd be on an island. He'd be in a shipwreck. He'd have to cast off this. He'd have to cast off this. And he's in the middle of a Roman prison, and he's writing these words, and he finally comes into Romans chapter 8, and he's writing, what shall separate us from the love of God? In other words, he was dwelling in a place where he didn't see the prison bars around him, where he didn't see the circumstances around him, but he saw himself in Christ. Friends, we got to recognize where we are. We are not in the same place that the world is in. God has purchased us. He has bought us. Nothing can come against us except God allows it. Our position is secure. And he says, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Wow. Yeah, if my head is separated from my rest of my body and I'm beheaded. <laughs> yeah, what about that? Well, he says, you know, Brother Ryan would often tell Sister Mita, he says, you know, because he, he was lacking in some hair, and he says, and he says, you know, honey, I haven't lost one of them. <laughs> She laughs at him. Where are they? And he says, where are they before I ever got them? God gave them. He says, not one of them's lost. Can I, I, listen, I, I, I trust you understand where I'm going here this morning. Brother Bannon would talk a little bit about it, and he would, he would talk about how there's a picture that God has from before the foundation of the world. And he says, when you are a young man or a young woman, God takes a picture of you. And he says, no matter how old, how wrinkled, how disfigured, whatever will be, your body might be destroyed, disfigured, burnt, eat up by lions. It, it might take calcium and potash and all these other things. But he says this picture is the main thing. He says, in the resurrection, all of those gases, acids, and things come back, and it develops this picture again. This picture was not taken when you were 16 or 18 or 20 years old at your best. 
I, I love speaking this to young people because they like to boast a little bit and say, you know, you know you're, you're getting a little more wrinkled, you're getting a little bit of this, and you're getting, you know, you're getting a little thin, and you're getting a little thick, and you're getting other things. But he says, this picture was taken before the foundation of the world, and it was put in God's great file. He says, the only thing it, it featured itself was you to make your choice. Now, the picture is absolutely, he said, now he goes and says, this, this life is the negative. It's the negative part of the real you. And he says, in other words, in order for there to be a negative, there has to be a positive somewhere. Now this life is not the real thing. It's only a foreshadow. I don't care what they do with you. They can't destroy that, pic that profile. That picture is in God's great gallery. You cannot destroy it. It's in heaven. You can't burn it up. You can't feed it to lions. It will come forth. Brother Lynn, that ought to give us just a rejoicing. Brother Jerry, that ought to give us a rejoicing. That picture is going to come forth. Praise God for that. Now, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I sometimes look, I was looking, you can always gain something for looking at the Bible, and I happen to have the Bible open to the atlases. And it talked about Paul's missionary journeys. And, and, I, and I thought about where the Ephesians were, and we think, oh, they, you know, they were right in the heart of it. They were actually up in Asia Minor. They were quite far from Jerusalem. They were over there, but yet they were a group of believers that caught the word. And, and, and Paul could speak things to them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now just, just hold on to that phrase. Heavenly places in Christ. According as He has chosen us in Him. Now again... Before the foundation of the world. He didn't choose you separately because you were a good guy or a good gal or because he knew you would look better or he chose you in him. You cannot disassociate what Christ has done. Listen, I have no righteousness. It came from Christ. I couldn't even repent except there was a seed in me that desired to repent. I, I had no means of cleansing myself, but it comes from Him. Amen. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, for what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And because that picture was there, and because He was there, and we were in Him there, therefore the next verse happens. Therefore, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now just jump over with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And I, I need to take this because Paul, you can take that picture and, and you know sometimes we, we view a lot of this as being in heaven but we're down here. But the two are actually together. 
And in the end time, the believers that know their God, they actually already are in him, even though they're not in heaven. Paul said, though I'm absent from the body, he conducted himself as though he was in the body. Now, I, I need, we need to put this together in our thinking. We can't allow us to view, oh, when I get to heaven, you know, that's when the magic wand will be waved, tick, and everything will be different. No, it actually starts here. You actually start taking footsteps. Now, while you're here in this body today, you don't wait till you get to heaven. You actually start conducting yourself like you're a son or daughter of the king. You start doing it here. And you do it, why? Because you, you're just boasting? No, because it's actually a truth and a reality that God has made real to you. I was over there. Therefore, while I'm here, I will act like I'm over there already. We got to have something to attain to. So Paul would say in Ephesians 2, you're in the miry clay, but he says, you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespass and sins, where in times past you walked according to the prince of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of obedience. That same spirit tries to come on you. You feed it, you feed that old man your fallen flesh too much, that spirit comes on you. But the more you give yourself to God, the more you shut out that devil. And sometimes I'm convinced that we allow the devil in more than he can come in. We do it by our words and our conversation. I, I have just been very conscious. Sometimes I'm under pressure at work. There's a deadline. And I, I look at what can I tell them, you know, just to make an excuse. Well, you know, I can say, well, I wasn't feeling good. And the next thing you know, I'm not feeling good. And I wasn't maybe feeling that bad. But, I, you know, I just use it. And you say, well, you did that, Brother Ed? Yeah, sometimes in this flesh. This flesh gets scared. But I feel like saying, I'm going to be honest, more honest in every word I say. And sometimes we bring, our own, we bring our own situation on ourselves. How are you doing? Oh, this is happening. That's happening. I feel terrible. What realm are you living in? Because in heavenly places, it's not like that. No, I, I, in, in the Lamb's book of life, it's not like that. Therefore, you ought to speak from where your position is. Not from what you're feeling. Not what you're thinking. And I say this, make your confession positive. It's not mind over matter. It's truth. Among whom we all had our conversation in times past according in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, with wherewith he loved us, when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us. It's the one who brought him out of the miry clay. And he said, he has quickened us with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, we sometimes take this thing of heavenly places and we think, oh yeah, heavenly places. I remember that meeting, the atmosphere, it was so electric and it was anointing. That's not what we're talking about. That can be heavenly. But there's actually a much deeper meaning than that. 
So Brother Branham would say, in Christ the mystery of God, heavenly places, oh, how I wish I had time. I've got it marked here right in my Bible. Heavenly places. What is heavenly places? Heavenly places, he says, is the believer's position in Christ. Where the believer stands in Christ, in heavenly places. So on your best day, you're in Christ. On your worst day, you're in Christ. Whether, whether there is food on the table or not, you're in Christ. Whether there's trouble around you, you are in heavenly places. You are in Him. You are with Him. It's real. Christ, the mystery of God, revealed. God's great mystery. What the eternal God has as a mystery has been unfolded in Jesus Christ. That's given right down to his church. What was in God's mind is still in heaven. Is that the quote? No, the quote says this. What was God's mind is now in the body of Christ. How is it in the body of Christ? Jesus Christ making love to the church, his bride whispering secrets to her. What do you do at home with your wife if you really love her? And not just love her because she does your laundry and makes supper for you or breakfast for you or, you know, and she... No, but you really love her. You tell her. You appreciate her. And you say, you, you just begin to tell her, you're the best cook in the country. And there's more to it than that, believe me. You know, my wife came home the other day and she, you know, just finished doing laundry and then the laundry hamper was full again. She said, well, you know, I, I guess if I come home and the fact that there's laundry is, means there's people in the house and that's a good thing. <laughs> Better than an empty house. Okay, I'm just trying to help you sisters there. Some of you brothers who do your own laundry, just trying to help you as well. Just, all right. How many love the Lord? Amen. Amen. He says, you know how you tell your wife things, the little girl you're going to marry, you love her so much, you tell her secrets, and you get up next to her. Friends, the Bible would tell us we are hearing things that the prophets desire to look into. In this end time, we are hearing secrets that the world knows nothing about. Friends, you look at what's happening in the world relative, you know, the Pope is getting economic ties. Uh, you know, they're, they're talking about how they're amalgamating. You know, you know the Catholic Church is, is in wielding its power. It's doing all those things. And we can look back and see it. You know, I'll tell you what, you're not going to go in the rapture because you see just these things, but you need to see the other part. You need to see, that's the world's part. What about my part? What's God been telling me? I'm one of them. Anything that comes up to you, it shall not stand. He comes up and tells you these things. Why? He is making your position known to you. You're not like those other denominational flirters. You're my bride. You're my wife. I'm telling you who you are. There is none like you. I love you. I'm showing you those things. And I'll tell you what, it changes the way a sister walks. It changes the way a wife walks. She recognizes I've got something standing behind me. I've got a position nobody else does. Friends, we ought to just thank God for that today. Thank God for the message. Some people put on the message and 
You know, they think God is always condemning them. They think you're always being called a chicken or a buzzard. But there's other people who say, I'm an eagle. I'm his wife. I'm his bride. You know, I've, in the last little while, I've, it's been a blessing to me. I, I've, I've gone, they have the, the uh, series, they call it The Chosen. And it's on the life of Jesus. And, I, you know, I don't know if it's that way, but, and I, I don't just take things verbatim as they say it, but it gets me thinking about God that came into flesh. And it gets me thinking how he was and how he conducted himself. And it gets me thinking on that level. And, and yet, I don't just think of it in a historical sense. Because I'm actually, as I'm thinking of it, I'm thinking, how am I reflecting that same spirit that's in me? And I appreciate what history tells me. But I'm not worshiping the God of history. And I, and I, say, and I just say, you got to be careful with that because some of what they, they're portraying is from the point of a trinity. And, and I've caught that in, in some of the words and things they're saying. And, I, and we're not a part of that. This is the eternal spirit of God that came into the vessel of Jesus. That same spirit that is in the bride now. Why little Bethlehem? Brother Bethlehem would say, I don't worship a Jew. I worship God when I worship Jesus Christ. I don't work, worship some fiction or some historical thing. I worship Jesus Christ. The presence of Jesus Christ right now, which is his word manifest in this age. Friends, it's not the word back then. It's not a hope so. It's a reality. The one I'm walking with, talking with, is here with me now. I am in prayer with him. I kneel with him. He walks with me. He talks with me. It's the same Christ. That's the secret of his tabernacle. When their eyes were opened, they knew him. 64. Wouldn't you like to take a trip with Cleopas and them on the road to Emmaus? I would have liked to walk with him. And he says, and it's possible. I'm glad to be living today that I can do the very same thing. Walk with him today just the same as they did then. They thought of how it was, how Jesus raised from the dead. But the sad part was, some of them loved him and didn't know it. I'll tell you what, there's been a lot of my Christian life. Brother Marshall, I appreciate your testimony the other day. He said, I'm, I'm glad to know him as he's my father. I'm glad to know him and I'm his son. But there's a greater part to this. I'm a part of him as his bride. And the same God that displayed himself in the book of Esther, when he told when, when, when King Ahasuerus said to Esther, he says, whatever you want, up to half the kingdom, it's yours. Gave her back an equal part. Now, sometimes we view that in the wrong context. Oh, well, I would have asked for this. I would have taken the loot and run. No, that wasn't the kind of half he was talking. We're a whole. We're a one. And you are with me equally. 
You have everything I have. And, and you, listen, we can't exist without him. In the Old Testament, under marriage and divorce, he, he says, a man could put away a woman, but a woman could not put away a man. How dare we try to put him away? How dare we try to isolate our religion from him? It'll never happen. We were in him. We were in heavenly places. We are a part of him. We are secure. It's for eternity. I love my wife. I believe I'm going to be there with her for eternity. And I, while we're here, God has given me a position where I, I can be as a head over her. But it doesn't mean I'm a, I, I make her a doormat or I'm just her ruler. And I'm going to say it this way because sometimes the, the question of headship gets, gets, gets grayed or muddied. She's under headship. She'll do whatever I say. But if I come home and tell her, I'd like you to wear your clothes a little tighter, a little more revealing. There's no way she's going to do it. Because she is sold out to God and this message. And friends, that's the kind of headship we need. If mother don't go, if father don't go, if whoever doesn't go, I am sold out to this message. I am so glad to be married to someone like that. You know, we can, we can make much of it, you know, and uh, this isn't even in this service, this isn't even the right service for this, but you can take the quote, well, your pastor is your head, your husband, spiritually speaking. Read the whole quote. We'll read it sometime. And there's men of God that have used that and beat down congregations with that. No, you're not getting married to your pastor. You're getting married to Christ. Your pastor is your shepherd. He's the one who leads you and directs you. But he doesn't have authority over you like Christ does. He, he, he guides and directs and he does things. And he can advise you and, 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 you'll, and you'll do well to prosper under that. Stick with your pastor in, 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 in Christ and, and God will see you through. But to put balance to it through the whole message, Brother Adam would say, if your pastor leaves the word, you leave the man. So there's two sides to this. And I say this, we need to be sold out to God. Sold out to the message. Not just saying, I belong to that church. I'm under this ministry. And, and listen, we're under that because God has given us that. But I'll say this, that's under the direct auspices of God. I, I, that's a whole other service. I, I, I just dropped that in for, for today. Just a quick one. Anointed ones at the end time. Remember David, he was honest since you were trying to do a work. Anointed. But he was teaching for doctrine the interpretation of the scriptures. He was, you know, when it was bringing the ark back. And it says, the Bible said he is I, the I am. Not the I was or the I will. The I am. The same Christ that was on earth existed before that. In the wilderness, that rock was Christ. That rock that followed them was Christ. That same rock is the rock we are on today. That's the rock of our foundation. That's the rock that David talked about. My, oh, my. Okay, I want to just read this. And, and I, I, I tell you what, I, I listened to How Can I Overcome Twice, I think. And, and this so stuck with me. And, and Brother Branham would say, 
You are born defeated. The birth you had can never bring you to life. You are born defeated. You're in a defeated world amongst defeated people, amongst defeated creeds, defeated denominations. You've got to come to victory some way. There's a multitude of quotes that come to my mind. I can't read them all or say them all. The bride was asleep. The church was asleep. But it took seven unknown thunders to wake her up. We'll come to it in another service. Brother Adam would start by saying this, and he, he makes this statement, and then he drops right into this example. It's like the lily. I think the lily is one of the prettiest flowers. I'm very fond of those great calla lilies and the pond lilies. I don't think there's hardly anything as great as a big pond lily. How it's radiance. Where does it come from? A little seed down in the bottom of a mucky, muddy pond. Myrie clay? Here, does this sound familiar? Muddy, mucky pond. Yet down in the middle of that muck, there's a seed in there. Now, you look at your life. You were in the mud. You were in the muck. You know, you were like the chicken, like the eagle in the chicken yard. You were all of these things. All you knew was to look down. You didn't know those things. But uh, 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 you, you heard a cry and you looked up. Well, somewhere a little ray of light came down into that muddy, mucky pond, and that little ray of light triggered something, a little seed in a lily. And it, all of a sudden, that muck couldn't stop it. The circumstances couldn't stop it. But something began to push it out. Something began to move it out. Something couldn't stop. It was inherent in the seed. It was there in the middle of that muck, in the middle of that miry clay. <clears throat> and he says, that little seed... All the radiance that ever will shine in it is in it right then. But where was it born? In muck, in mire. And he says, it has to strive daily, knowing that there is something in it. It's, it's black, it's dirty, it's mucky, it's slimy. In the slime that you're living in, yet something presses its way through the mud. Oh, friends, you ought to see a part of you. You know, in the middle of all of this out here, there's something pressing forward. There's something pushing forward that you can't even stop. Had you known it, listen, had I known all the troubles and struggles I would go through, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> I would have been defeated. But thank God he knows how to bring us through. He said... It's, it, it, it presses its way through the mud, muck, wires, the waters, the stagnant places until it sticks its head above in the light and expresses what it's been in it all the time. I think that's an overcomer, once in sin. Now you look back to the things that were wrong. You look back to the mud and the mire and you say, why would I want to go back to that pond again? I'll tell you what, and it's not just that. Maybe it's something, a place you were living at a year ago. Maybe you were caught up in some kind of a habit or some kind of a, an addiction or something, and God sets you free. Why would you want to go back to that? Why would you want to live under condemnation? Why wouldn't you want to live where it radiates from you, where it comes out from you? And that lily sticks its head out. The, the light is greater than the darkness. The seed is greater than the circumstances. The position is greater than the troubles around you. And it says, 
Your sin, your adultery. He says you couldn't express nothing, but your seed was in you. And it had a chance to express itself into light. Now you're in the presence of Jesus Christ with the sun light. Oh, what was really in you began to bloom out. Oh, do you remember my sermon on the lily? Reverend Lily, he doesn't spin. He doesn't do all these things. But yet he, he, he doesn't care about himself. He throws his beauty out his life. Brother Branham says, what kind of life comes out of you? Is it expressed naturally? Or do you have to struggle? And, and I'll tell you what, there is a fighting, there is a struggle. But somewhere, when you actually come into a place of rest, it's natural. When you don't care about yourself, there's a defining moment. I think every believer must come to it. I want to escape hell. I want to escape this. I want to make it. I want to be in heaven. But I still like these things. I still like this. When you ever can cut loose, where you don't care what anybody thinks, what anybody says, where finally you say, I only care what you say, Lord. I want to be with you forever. Lord, I want my life to live for you. That's when you enter into rest. That's when you don't care. Lord, if the troubles come, if this come, just take this whole world. Let me have Jesus. Brother Brandon would say, the God that's in you is greater than the one that's in him. The God of this world is not as great as the God of heaven, which is in you. Darkness cannot stand in the presence of light. I don't care how dark it is, the light will put it out. It can't stand. That's the one that's in you. That's light. That's the one that's in the world is darkness. Oh, friends. Let's go back to Psalms chapter 27. God bless you. Nice to see you all here this morning. Appreciate you all. I know that's under those masks. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are grimacing. Some of you are yawning. That's okay. We're in the flesh, but that's not the part we're talking about. We're feeding something else. Psalms chapter 27. Thank you, Brother Andrew. God bless you. The Lord is my light and salvation and whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength. Who shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, my foes came upon me, eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp about me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me. Now, let me, let me dwell this on a, on a level of, of our, our being. Our flesh has not been redeemed yet. Our flesh is still subject to sicknesses, to hurts, to pains. It's still subject to little things that are floating through the air. That's why we get sick. That's why we get the sniffles. That's why we get those things. But that does not change our position. That does not change what we are in Christ. That doesn't do a thing. Listen, I'm just going to call my son to come up here. We're in the same household. We're not cohorts. We're in the same household. He's going to come up here. Just, just stand right here. Now, he's here. He can see me. He can hear my voice. He came up here because he heard my voice and he knew it's me. He, so the sense of seeing is working real good. The sense of, of his ears is working real good. And, 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 and he can also touch me and say, yep, that's my dad, slightly wrinkled, not as what he used to be. He, he knows it's me. He, his flesh is discerning things. 
His flesh is understanding things. It's a good thing he's wearing that mask and he can't smell me because that would be something else. You say, you should have taken a shower longer this morning, Dad, or whatever. But all of those things are working. Now, thank you. You can have a seat now. So that is how we sometimes view ourselves. Well, in my flesh, this is happening. That's happening. You know, that, that, that's all going. Now, now, that's just a part of you. That, you know, what you're wearing, how you are, that has nothing to do with your eternal destination. This is just a part of the tabernacle, but the real secret is on the inside. Now, there's another part uh, inside of all of us, our memory, our reason, our conscience, our feeling, and all of those things. Brother Andrew's touched on it, given us some wonderful PowerPoints on it. And, and in church, you can even come to a level where our senses, our, our spiritual senses, there's a reason that kicks in. Yeah, I'm in church. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm nodding my head once in a while. I'm saying amen. And it's mechanical, and you don't even know it's operating. There's a part of your affection, you know, you get emotional when there's a song and you're singing and, and, and you look up and, and yeah, yeah, that's an emotion. And you know, you can go through all those senses, but that still does not qualify you to be what you are in Christ. That is not a sign that you're in Christ. You know, you can be nodding, you can be agreeing. Listen, you can even have memory, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what Brother Harold preached. That's exactly what I heard on the tape. That's not how you know Christ. Not by your memory of what you heard on the tape or read in the Bible. That is not how you know him. You know, you, you, you can have a conscience, and, and it can be a good conscience, a message conscience. Yeah, I, I can't do that because the deacons will get after me. Or if my, my dad or my mom find out, I'm in trouble. Listen, that is no way to go to heaven, and that will not entitle you to go to heaven. Now, I'll say this, a lot of our lives are spent in those two realms. And the devil, you know, he, if he can't get you in the flesh, we understand that. But the battle is in the mind, in the spirit realm. So the devil tries to draw you from this place. There's an inside place that you come to. And you come where you can't explain it, just like Peter. Peter, you know, he couldn't understand why he said, except you drink my flesh and drink... you. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And Peter, do you think he understood that? He didn't understand it. But inside he had representation. There was a little dot, there was a little something, and he just, he utters those words, they're memorable. To whom could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. So it wasn't Peter's flesh. He knew, him, he knew that Jesus, you know, he could relate to him as a man part. He could relate in, in different things. But I'll tell you, it was greater than that. Who do men say that I am? Peter, in, in, his, in his mind, he's thinking about the conversation that he heard. Yeah, well, some people are calling Jeremiah, some Elijah, some this. And then he asked him, who do you say? And it probably never really crossed his mind. But at that moment, something, the, 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 the curtain got pulled back, and he saw him for what he was. Not a prophet like the other prophets. He says, thou art the Christ, the very son of, the very God himself. And friends, that's the same thing we need to come to of ourselves. We can't just say, hey, I, I, I got it all figured out. I know if I get to heaven and they test me, I'll, I'll, I got serpent seed down. I got water baptism. I got it all. If they ask me these questions and it's a multiple choice, I'm guaranteed to pass. 
That's not what's going to speak for you inside here. Now, Brother Branham would go into the message. And it, and it was, I, I remember I was just early in the morning, I was, and it just broke me as I was listening to this. And how can I overcome? And I was just there, I was, I was walking and treadmill a little bit, and, and I'm listening to this. And he says, when a man is born again, there's a little spot the size of a fingernail that God injects into him. And it falls into his heart, and there it anchors. And Satan makes him prove it. If it ain't there, you're gone. Now, we all know the story of Brother Branham. And, and he goes through, and I thought, here's a man that ought to have been entitled to have a good home, to not have pressures, to be allowed a perfect circumstance to preach the gospel. But that's not what God chose. Because God, to express this seed, this place that he had, he had to allow circumstances. He said, there was my father, 20, I, I really debated to play this in church, but I'm not. There was my 22 years old, 23, a young man, my father dying in my arms, and I was talking to God as a healer. My own father with a heart attack laid his head in my arm and me praying for and I saw him turn his eyes and fail off and go to meet God. And I took him over and buried him beside my brother's flowers still fresh on the grave and me preaching a God that heals the sick. You talk about a contrary of reasoning versus what's inside. You may have all faced it. I, I was praying about something and I, I really needed the answer. And I was, look, this last week, and I was looking for the answer this way and I was looking for the answer this way. And I was looking, and, and all along the way, I had this to deal with, had that to deal with. And I said, Lord, I don't know how it'll come, but I know you have the answer. And I'm finally down to Friday and I'm looking for the answer. And where's this answer? And, and, I, and I just thought, how can it, like, I, says, I, I tried this, re I tried, and I, you know, you, you, we have to do our part. And I, but I, you know what I just kept doing? And I believe it was a test. And I said, Lord, thank you. You have the answer. And at 4.30, out of nowhere, I get this email with the answer. Right as I'm ready to leave work, 4.30. And I said, faithful one. Faithful one. <sighs> he is so mindful. Friends, the littlest things, he is so mindful. Brother Branham would talk, and he says, what, here's my father passed away, and he says, and then he talks about how his, his, my daddy died in my arms, my brothers died, and I'm preaching at a little colored Pentecostal church and said, your brother was killed up on the highway, a car hit him and killed him, and I'm sitting here on this platform, and I'm talking, I, I see an angel measure 22 feet over Spring, Spring Street, and he says, it's one of those things, and, 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 and it, it's going to happen exactly the way it is. During that time, my wife got sick. I prayed for her. She's dying. He, if you listen to this, and you listen to, and I just thought about the brokenness that he was living in, and yet he still conducted himself, and she says, she's dying. She says, Bill, I'll meet you over there. Start hollering, Bill, I'll hear you. 
I went home, and here's Billy Paul, and there's a little girl dying, and she's got meningitis and all of these other things. I laid the baby in the isolated word, mosquitoes all over there, and I put her down. I said, God, there lays my daddy and my brother. Don't take my baby. Don't take her, Lord. And he just pulled back the curtain. And then I said, he wouldn't even talk to me. And he says, then it was Satan's time. I thought you said he was a good God. Look around you. Every girl and every boy you've ever associated with think you've lost your mind. Now, he couldn't tell me there was no God because I'd already seen it. But he was telling me that he didn't care for me. And I sat there all night, all day long. And I said, what have I done? Show me, Lord. Don't let the innocent suffer. I didn't know he was trying me. But every son that comes must be tried. Tell me what I've done. I'll make it right. What have I done but preach all day long? I've given you my life. What have I done? And Satan was talking. He said, that's right. You see now, when it comes to you, and I've told you, you think he's a great healer. He doesn't heal. He doesn't hear you. And he says, you talk about him being good, but what about you? And then he says, and then I began to listen to him. That's reasoning. And I thought, that's right. And then he said, he can tell. You can speak the word. Look to your baby. I said, that's right. Look at all you've done for him. What does he do for you? I said, that's right. And everything began to break away when it came to reasonings. But all of a sudden it came and it hit that spot, that little button. And all of a sudden, I was about to say, I'll quit. But when all the reasoning powers broke away, then came eternal life, the new birth. Oh, what if that had not been there? Oh, we wouldn't have known each other. This church wouldn't be this way, thousands and millions. And I said, who am I, Lord? Who am I to question your majesty? Where did that baby come from? Who gave it to me? You just loaned her to me for a while. And I said, Satan, get away from me. Now, where did that come from? That didn't come from the outer tabernacle, the inner tabernacle, but it came from the secret of his tabernacle. I'll tell you the position and the place we have. Now, Brother Branham would say, well, actually, I'm reading Psalms 27. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Now, we all know that Brother Branham used this as a text for the rapture message. And he actually never went back and explained it. But he began to put this... And really, he was setting forth a time we would live in where the circumstances, the troubles would be all around us. But in the middle of that comes forth this cry on the inside. And David would begin to cry and say, though a host should encamp, though heart, my heart should fear, in this will I be confident. What was he confident? In what God had placed with him, the desires he had for him. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire. And he says, he shall set me on a rock. What is it? The rock of revelation. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really haven't even listened to the news anymore. Why? Because that brings you into a channel, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I say it brings you into a channel. You watch the denominational world. The denominational world and even what they call the fundamental or the right-wing Christians who don't have this seed, all they've got is a fight in the second realm. 
They, all they've got is a moral conscience. All they've got is to worry about who the next political leader. All they can do is they can get in, and quite often they get stirred up in their emotions, and it's a channel that takes them further away. I say this, don't let what the world is doing, what the prime minister is doing, what the left-wing agenda is doing, don't let that draw you out of the secret place. Don't get caught in that realm. The realm that I'm talking about is safe. It's secure. It's a place with God. It's heavenly places. It's who I am in Him. I don't need to wave placards. I don't need to get on, on, on social media sites and, and fight the fight out there. Don't get emotionally stirred up. It has to be this way. Psalms 27 said so. The end of the seventh church age. Next verse, I set a door open in heaven. The door that opened would be in the form of a shout, a voice, and a trump. And I'll say this, the shout has already come. The shout has set in motion something that cannot be stopped. It's a calling. Brother Bannon would say, the seals are opened. And he, said, and he would actually say it in, in the message. He would talk in the... In I, in, and I think it's a first or second seal, but he begins to talk about it, and he says, those, listen, I, I'll, I'll read this. I'm, I'm rushing because I just want to get you out here right away. He says, all those big ecclesiastical walls are going to collapse right before our eyes. This is in Questions and Answers, 1964. It's as certain as I'm standing here. There's an image to the beast just as certain as I'm standing there. And this nation has took it according to the word of the Lord. Listen, when you get that little funny feeling, get away from those walls. You say, well, my mother was a Methodist. My, father, my papa was a Baptist. I could add in there, I had a grandfather who came into this message. I have parents. Don't rely on that. I don't, he says, don't take that chance. I don't care how simple and humble it seems. It's the word of the Lord. Flee to Jesus Christ until he fills you with the Holy Spirit. The hour's going to come when you're going to hunt for it and it won't be there. And he says, let's bow our heads. Father, the awful hour is approaching. I've thought, why don't people come? Why don't they accept it? Of course, they can't. But there is some that have their names written on the Lamb's book of life. And when the seals are thrown open, they seem their name out there. The Holy Spirit speaks to them and they come. There was a brother that shared this with me and it was so good. Or shared this and I just heard it the other day. This is not a general call. You know, he says, it's a direct voice. And he says, I'm at home. And he says, they have a cat at home and they have a certain name for the cat. You know, whatever the cat's name is. They call that cat and the cat comes. He says, I don't go and say, here kitty, 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 and all the kitties come. No, it's a direct call by name to a seed that's inside of you. And I thought, this is not a general call. 
That's why they don't all come. Some get under the pull of the hour. They come so far, but they come to the inside, and there's no seed there. So where do they go back? They go back to second realm. And in second realm, they begin reasoning. Okay, the cloud wasn't there on that day. This wasn't there on that day. This wasn't there. And that's all they've got. And they can't come because it's not there. But if it's there, you can't stop it. it, it it's a pull. It, it forces you. You can't hardly say no. He says this. You can't keep them away. They're coming because you're leading them. You did to those little birds and the sheep and the cattle. Oh, if an instinct would warn an animal to flee from danger. What about the Holy Spirit to a church that claims to be filled with it? My brother, my sister, the lily, that little light that's in you, he says, how can you stop what's in you? You know, the... The shout has gone forth. There's an unfolding that's going to bring, a, bring forth things. Let me listen. Brother Branham would say this. You're a gene of your father, modern events. You were in your father. Your father had no fellowship with you. You were in there, but you knew it not. He knew it not. But you were manifest that he might have fellowship with you. And you being born again, you're born of eternal life. There's only one form of eternal life, and that's God's Zoe life. The Greek word Zoe, only one form of eternal life. He knew the hour, he knew what bed and time you would be planted. You're now a creature, a manifested son or daughter of God, to meet the challenge of this hour, to vindicate the true and living God of this hour. We were born for this hour. One last scripture, Mark chapter 4, and we'll close with this. If you're going to get one thing out of this today, just take the encouragement just to stay in that secret place. I have enjoyed the message in these last six months more than ever before. I, I, yeah, do we go out and listen to other? Yeah, I listen. But I'll tell you what, I've had times when I said, oh, Lord, you're the same God living in me that you were when you walked I, I didn't say that of myself, but it's so real. You know, John chapter 4 would also say, when he shall appear, we shall know him. And, and we shall know him because we'll be like him. And he's appeared again. He's here again. The road to Emmaus is here again. We don't know it all, but he's, he's talking to us. Something's burning in us. Mark chapter 4, if I take this, from verse 35, we can just read that. Mark chapter 4. I didn't tag it. Oh, I did. So if we start reading Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And when the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto him, Let us pass over the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, and so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said, Master, 
carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of this man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? When you actually go uh, on the message, one of the message church, message hub is what I often use, and you click on that trip scripture, there's a little link that comes, and you'll see the message calling Jesus on the scene. And if you ever want, just go, and now, I don't have the time today, but immerse yourself into the story as Brother Branham talks about it. And he says, you know, how they were in the ship, and, 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 and John was talking, and he's saying, Oh, brothers, just think about it. We've got the master in the ship. We, we ought to be so happy. We ought to be so thankful that he's with us and that we're with him. And he says there was a testimony meeting. And as they were talking, Jesus may have fallen asleep. Jesus knows all things. Do you think that he didn't know there wasn't going to be a storm? He knew that. And yet he went to sleep. Because he already knew what the answer would be. And he says, it's just like us. We talk about him. We have revivals. We have all these things. Now listen, our Brother Branham says, now maybe between revivals we're looking for another stir. But there's got to be something that will gather the church together. It will have to be some kind of a press. Troubles. Huh. And he says... God does it that way to run his people together. I believe it's already forming the thing that will shut us out when we won't agree with them. And it's going to run the church together. We're waiting that to happen, but right now we're living on the results of the great revival. And he says, then trouble arose. And you can read this. This is a wonderful message, 1963, 0804 evening, calling Jesus on the scene. Then the trouble arose, the oars, the sails broke and everything. Trouble was at hand. The waves were coming up, waters filling the boat, all hopes of survival gone. Oh, but now they'd just been testifying. They forgot all about it. Brother, if that isn't the attitude of the church today, we praise God for what he's done, but it hits our home. And he says, and all of a sudden we give up. And he says, let it strike our little house. We forget about all the glory. They tried all of these things. Satan was determined to get them. Get them. He thought of Jesus asleep. He thought he could get there. And Satan will always try and get a chance. And he says, now, I, I'm, I'm skipping a whole bunch. They should have known he knew the thing that was going to happen. You know, I, I, I just... I need to just, I'm just going to finish, but I just need to bring it to a comfortable close here. Do you think God didn't know what 2020 would be like? Do you think he didn't know about the pandemic and that we'd be separated? Do you think he didn't? He knew all of that. And you know what it's done? I've dug into the message and I'm going, here's a quote. It's there. Brother Glenn, the, the quote you just shared last week, Brother Bannon would say, you can wear a mask, you can use sanitizer, it won't make a difference. Where was that quote? I would have read that a, a year ago and we all said, why is he bringing that out? It was there all the time. Friends, and so was the seed here all the time. 
And when trouble comes, it drives us back where we pick these things up and our roots go deep. And all of a sudden, oh, he's already told us. Oh, this is, United States is not a lamb anymore. It's a dragon. Oh, and the Pope is aligning himself. Oh, these things are happening. Oh, and at the same time, he's whispering love secrets. At the same time, I'm being drawn into relationship with him. At the same time, the things of this world are growing strangely dim. At the same time, oh, I'm hid away in him. Oh, I, I have no idea what 2021, musicians, you come, please. But Jesus knew all the time what was going to happen. And he only did it to prove their faith. You know what? God allows us to fail the test sometimes just so when that hour comes, we won't fail the test. There's a man that can turn on the light. It'll get dark. We might not know what'll come. There might be trouble like we've never had trouble before. That's not going to make a difference to God. I tell you, I want to be hid away in him. I want to be in a place where I don't hear the, you know, you listen too much to dissenting voices. You catch the spirit of what they're under. Somebody's got a sarcastic tone, you get under the same sarcastic tone. Somebody's got a negative tone, you get under the negative tone. That's why I say, speak the word. Speak what's right. Speak what's correct. Stay in that atmosphere. Listen, I, I, I ran longer than I wanted to. I apologize. I, I, I just trust in some way, when trouble comes, and it will, don't look at the trouble. Don't look at the waves. Look at who you are. Look at what He's made you to be. Let's stand together. I know the master of the wind. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker. I know the maker of the My boat of life sails on a troubled sea. Whenever there's a wind in my sail, but I have a friend who watches over me.
It may bring me low, but it'll never bring me down. And I I was just in my study yesterday, and my son had sent me a little clip, and I hadn't really looked at it, and I looked at it, and I listened, and I couldn't get away from it. So I'm just going to share something. One of the greatest fights of the century was Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. It was, called, it was in the Congo, and it was called the Rumble in the Jungle. Muhammad Ali went in at a one-to-four underdog because George Foreman had knocked everybody out. Any, he was undefeated. He hadn't met anyone. There was no way Muhammad Ali was going to beat him. But he studied his opponent. And he recognized this. He said, he saw that George had never gone past six rounds in a fight. So he said, if I can get the fight to the seventh round, his mind's going to start to go. And he says, the devil has for six church ages had his way with the people of God. But he's never come to this age, to this people in this age. So they got in a fight. And Muhammad Ali had his talk. He had his mind games. I'm going to dance. I'm going to, you know, how, how did he go? He says, I was going to say he was going to sting like a butterfly and float like a bee. But that doesn't make sense, does it? But you know what I say? It's the other way around, though. He'll, he'll float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. But you know what? He, he was there and he made... And he came out in the first round to use a tactic. And then he went on the ropes. And, and he would begin to talk to him. George, is that all you got? You're out of breaking popcorn, George. Come on, George. And George got incensed. Then he hit him harder and he hit him harder. And they got to the sick end of the sixth round. And now Muhammad Ali knew it was the seventh round. And in the seventh round. And, and, Muhammad, and, and George knew he's wearing out. I, I, I don't got much left. And he, he, he gave a punch and it really hurt. It really hurt him in the flesh. But in his mind, Muhammad Ali said, George, is that all you got? You can't break through popcorn, George. And you know what the thing is? George Foreman said after, he said, he knew that was all he had. He knew he didn't have any more. And when, when he said that, he knew he was defeated right then. 
The enemy has tried, but in this last day, God has given a people that know their God. They know their place with their God. They will not be defeated. Anything the enemy throws will not last. Why? We've been ordained to it. They, without us, cannot be made perfect. There's a group of people that died going in the faith. The heroes of faith, they went in the ground. They died. They died. They weren't the finality. But he said they knew there was a group of people that would be. We are that group of people, friends. They without us cannot be. It's not that we're any better than them. This is our position for this day. God gave us this position. And all the trouble around us will not make a difference. So I say, don't look at the waves. Don't look at the trouble. Don't look at it. Look at what God has made you. Final quote, perfect faith. If God relied on... If Jesus relied on what God made him, why shouldn't we rely on what God has made us? The only thing that you have to do then is have faith in what you are. We're in him. Friends, we're a mighty army that's raising up. Listen, I, I, I trust that faith will drop in your heart somewhere. Exercise it a little bit. When a situation comes and you don't know how you're going to... I get disappointed like anybody. But don't dwell there. Raise up. The Bible says David encouraged himself. Sing a song. Whisper the word. Say the word. And then do like Mohammed did to George. Is that all you got? <laughs> because you know what? Devil, this is your last hurrah. After this age is over, you don't got nothing else. We're going to be in glory, and you're going to be here. And in a thousand years from here, you're not going to be here. We're going to be here. Remind the devil of his future. Remind him of what God has done, that we are the victory. I need to sing something a little faster. Joel's army. Come on. Let's, let's have a good time. Sister Angie, I sure appreciated that special today. God bless you. We may have to get you to sing that again. Let's sing. Joel's army comes in view. Stalwart men and women true. In perfect step, we are God's best. We're invincible through the great word test. The sun of righteousness shall shine.
of God, His praises ring, arise and shine, thy Lord and King, comes full redemption now to reign. On Wednesday when I made the announcement that we're going to go to a reduced number, I was going to get you all to sign a form that you have to bring more atmosphere than you usually do. That means you may have to use your mouth, your hands. And I'm just telling you, some of you are not living up to the pact. Some of you are not living up. Now, I've seen that you can do this. I know you can. Are you going to dwell in your outside realm, your inside, or are you going to let the inside of the inside start to come out? Listen, offer the sacrifice of praise. Use your mouth. Use your hands. If you can't use your hands, just, just take the bench in front of you or something. I, I, listen, I can see it, but God can also see it. Let's, let's be part of Let's be it. One more time. Brother Andrew, Oteni, I'm going to ask you to come and close in prayer. And we're going to sing this next, uh, just the first verse again. Thank you. Joel's becomes in Let's just sing verse 3 yet. Yeah. 